0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Morning. Happy, uh, is this our, no, this is not our first Sunday back since the new year. My, my schedule's off a little bit still. That's okay, though. Uh, it, is, it is cooler than last Sunday, like significantly chillier. Texas is weird. Texas is weird. How about those tornadoes Friday night? Huh? Mike sent me this article. He was like, oh, my gosh, the tornadoes are going to destroy Austin. Bunker down. And I think it was like maybe drizzled a little bit. I don't know. It was like, thanks, Mike, for the warning. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's so funny. We're weird, right? In Texas, like, oh, my gosh, there's like the threat of something. It might, it might snow. Shut down the whole roads. Like, we don't know how to handle weather at all unless it's like 75 and sunny, we don't know what to do with it. Gets into the 90s and we're like, oh, we're dying, it's too hot. Oh, man. My name's Corey, by the way. Good to, good, good to meet some of you. Um, one of the pastors here, Mike, is our other pastor. Um, and if you're new, we're, we're relatively new as well. Uh, so we, we started services, gosh, I can't even say last September at this point. A um, little over a year and a half ago, I guess. September of, what year were we in? 2020, so 2018, um, is when we started services, so we're still uh, relatively young. I, I think uh, in terms of church plant in the terms of like a, a human. Um, at some point, like you, you start here and then you eventually grow. You gotta you gotta crawl, then walk, then then run. And so uh, we're still at the young phase of the life of the church, uh, but believe that um, believe that this is what God has for us and that He's got um, He's got some work to do in us and in Austin. And so uh, glad that you're here. Uh, glad that you're a part. Uh, if you are, are new, we'd love to invite you to fill out a connect card uh, just so we can follow up with you after that. Uh, that that's going to be at the desk right outside here. Um, we just want to hear how things went. We want to learn from your perspective, hear from your perspective, see how we can help connect you further. Uh, here, here's what I'll say. If, if this church or any church, pick your church, right? Like whatever church you want, if your Sunday gathering or Saturday night or whatever it is, if the one-time-a-week gathering is the extent of your church life, um, then it's going to be a really shallow church life. And, and I don't say that as, as, a, as a condemnation. That's just, that's just practical, right? It just is what it is, right? And, unless we invest outside of this time, uh, we're not really going to know each other. People aren't going to know us. Um, and, and God says that we actually know Him through community. It's not an option. Um, we're created for community. And so uh, if we want to know God more, we've got to know one another more. And, and we've got to be known by, by one another. And so... Uh, I just want to in- invite you, whether this is your church home or God has you elsewhere, uh, it, it's got to move beyond just this. Our own spiritual health and vibrancy with the Lord has to move beyond beyond just this. Uh, and so that, that's one of the things that a Connect card can do is it can help get you connected further and, and beyond that. Uh, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 9, um, 9 and 14 for the bulk of it. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to it. If you don't own a Bible, we've always got some. Um, I think there's some on that table right there. Uh, yeah, there's some on the table right there with the. Um, that's not a ficus. Um, that's a no- plant. It's just called it plant. Um, it's not a real plant, uh, but it's a plant. Uh, so there's some Bibles there you could always grab. If you don't own one, take it home with you. I'd love for you to have it. If you've got a coworker or a neighbor or a friend that doesn't have a Bible, take it, give it away. We will gladly replenish Bibles uh, if they're being given to other people. So. By all means, grab one of those. I'm going to read Luke 9, uh, 23 through 27, and then, um, then we'll jump over to Luke 14 a little bit. But let's, let's start at Luke 9, 23 to uh, 27. This is Jesus uh, speaking. He said, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Let's pray uh, and ask God to speak to us through his word. I want to invite you just to take a second, and just between you and the Lord, um, ask him to speak to you. Give him freedom to, to say whatever he needs to say to you. Holy Spirit come and speak to us. May we not hear the words of anyone else other than you. Spirit fill me with your presence and your power that the words that I speak will not be my own but will be yours. God, we need you. It's in Christ we have the confidence to ask. Amen. Why are you here? Is my question. If you claim the name Christian, why? What does it mean to be a Christian? What is it, why are you what are you here for? Who are you here for? Uh, th- these, are, these are questions I remember very clearly. Um, on a Thursday night at Camp Tejas when I was 15. I, I've told y'all this story before, um, but uh, I'll say it again. Um, the summer after my freshman year in high school, we went to camp, and, and I was, uh, it was a Thursday night, and I was on the, this section, second seat on the second row, uh, so right in front of where Taylor's sitting. I remember exactly where I was, and Bill asked these questions, Why are you here? Like, really? And, and why, why are you, you here? Um, up to that point in that week at camp, I was killing it. I mean, I was just nailing the camp life. Um, I, I won the Barnabas Award that week for the most encouraging camper. Um, pat myself on the back there. Uh, I, I was, I mean, I, I had my Bible and I even read it. Um, I, I sang the songs with, with gusto. I, I raised my hands and closed my eyes. Um, like I was just nailing it as your, your Christian, as your Christian teenager. Um, older high school kids were, were looking up to me. Um, because uh, I was living the life of a Christian that, I, man, you're supposed to live, right? Um, I'd been a Christian uh, since I was eight years old, so I was seven years up to that point, uh, at least At least, so I thought. Um, my parents are both Christians. My older sister's a Christian. Uh, I'm guessing, like many of you, um, I cannot remember a time where I didn't believe in God, like where I didn't believe um, in, in Jesus. I wasn't told that Jesus died for your sins. Like I I cannot remember a time where that just wasn't a part of my life. I was, my parents had keys to the church. Like I was up there all the time. Like that was just my life. Um, when I was seven, I watched a TV show. I, I actually think I stood behind the couch where my parents were because I wasn't supposed to watch this show. It was Rescue 911. They're actually remaking that, you know. Um, anybody else seen the show, Rescue 911? Yeah, so it was Rescue 911, and in the show, someone died by a car, from a car accident. And as a seven-year-old, that was the first time where my mind went, time out. Like, death? Wait, what? Like, we don't, this is real? Like, I might die one day in a car wreck? Um, And so I became terrified. I became panicked of what happens if I die in a car wreck? Then what? Like, I don't, I've heard of this heaven and hell thing, and I don't want to go to hell. Hell is terrible. Like, it's the worst of the worst of the worst, and it's forever And so I was terrified of dying and going to hell. And so I told my parents, and they're like, hey, if you pray and ask Jesus into your heart, then he'll forgive your sins and you can go to heaven forever. Like, you can, you can go to heaven. So I was like, heaven, hell, yes. Heaven, please, I will repeat this prayer. Um, and so uh, the next Sunday, I go to our pastor, and I say, hey, I want to become a Christian. I want to go to heaven. And he's like, okay, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. And come live in my heart forever. Come live in my heart forever. He's like, boom, all right. And so I'm like, done, sweet, heaven, here we go. got baptized a couple weeks later, and from that point on, i seven. On, I was like, I'm, I'm set, I'm good. I'm a Christian. I mean, I, I, I went to church, I did the Bible drill. Yes, I cheated in the tournament. I told y'all about that before. It's fine, right? You know, so I mean, I was doing all the right things and I, I knew how to do And but, but still, I was terrified of dying and going to hell. I mean, I must have repeated that prayer uh, every day, every day because I was just like, what if I got it wrong? Like, this is eternity. You die and that's it. It's one or the other forever. I don't want to go to hell forever. And so I was terrified. And so I just repeated that prayer over and, over and over and over and over and over again. And then we got to camp. And Bill, he says that, right? Like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Who are you here for? What does it mean to be a Christian? What do you, what do you want? And I was like, all right, Bill, do your thing, man. I'm just going to stay up here and sing. And I'm going to close my eyes when I need to. And, and I heard God speak to me that night. Y'all, look, look, I, God is real, and he, he's alive, and he's not just like, like a, a thought, like he is real and alive. And, and I'm not saying that this, I, I, have, I don't know that I've heard God speak to me as clearly as he did that night since. But he, but he is real, and I, I heard him that night tell me, Corey, you can either live for yourself or you can live for me, but you cannot do both. You can either live for yourself, or you can live for me, but you cannot do both. You see, up to that point, I wanted heaven. I didn't want to go to hell, I wanted heaven, and so the, the way to get to heaven, A plus B equals C, the way to get to heaven was repeat this prayer, and then and you believe in God, and then you go to heaven, right? And, and so I was like, okay, cool, so, but, but my problem was I trusted in this, this prayer. I trusted that if I did this religious act, and I believed in God, then, then I would go to heaven. And that was the way that, that it worked. And so uh, that's what I did. I repeated this prayer. But ultimately, really, what I was most concerned about in my life up to 15 was myself. I, I wanted to live life my way. I, wanted, I, I was concerned about re- my reputation. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to do whatever that took. Like I was, I was in for that. And I also wanted heaven, which is why I repeated this prayer, because I wanted heaven. But ultimately, I wanted, I wanted my way of life. I wanted to go my way, and I wanted to end with heaven because I said this prayer back when I was seven, so I was good. And God just, I mean, gosh, he just set me down. He said, Corey, here's the deal. You can live for yourself. Like, you can go your way. You can, you can repeat this prayer, and you can be a good church kid, and you can also seek your reputation, and you can do what I tell you not to do, or you can live for me. But, son, there is no both. You do not get to walk both paths at the same time. You either surrender your life fully to me and you follow me, or you follow your own way, but you do not get to do both. And it was on that night when I was 15 that I became a Christian. That I surrendered my life to Him. Now, I'm not going to say I've not been, like, I've done it perfectly. I've still like, tried to step over here and dabble over here, right? But, but ultimately, I have said, God, I am yours. My life is yours. And what you say goes. You get to call the shots. You get to tell me how to live because I have surrendered my way to yours. I am not my own. I've given up my rights. I'm following you. So why are you here? Like why are you here sitting in this seat today? Why are you gathered up? To, to listen to the words of Jesus like we were on that Thursday night at camp. Who are you here for? What's your, what's your purpose? We see in Luke 9, we see in Luke 14, we see multiple times in the gospel that, that, that many people gathered around Jesus. If you turn over to Luke 14 real quick, um, to verse, four, verse 25, right? Luke 14, verse 25, it says that great crowds accompanied him like jesus jesus didn't struggle to gather a crowd like it, it wasn't tough for for people to gather around and listen to jesus and to to hear him and to, to follow him from town to town it wasn't tough for jesus to gather a crowd just like even now it's not necessarily tough to to gather a crowd but but why were they there why did those crowds gather around? Jesus would ask them the same question: like, why are you here? Who do you say that I am? Many gathered for religion. Because that's what they had done from the time they were born. They never knew a day where they didn't go to worship. They never knew a time where they didn't read and memorize the Bible. They never knew a day where where religion wasn't the highest priority. And so they were taught, you follow a rabbi, you follow the teachings, you go to church, you do these things. So that is what they were doing. I think many in churches today gather in the church because that's just what you're supposed to do. That's all they've done their entire life. Sunday or whenever it is, you you go and you gather in the church, and then Monday you live your life, and Friday you go out and you do what you want to do on Saturday, and then Sunday you go back to church because that's what you do. That's why we gather, because religion tells me I'm supposed to do this. I think many gathered around Jesus for the benefits, for the healings that he could provide for the comfort that he could offer, for the peace that maybe came with him. Many gathered for the benefits. Perhaps you're here because you want some benefit from Jesus. You want some emotional feeling that tells you, you know, you're, you're, you're valuable or you're worth it, or you want what I wanted, which was heaven. I didn't want to go to hell. And we're, we're, really, in that case, Jesus is just, let's say what it is, Jesus is a means to my end. He is the provider of whatever benefit I want. I think many gathered for fear. They were afraid of being left out. They were afraid of missing the crowd. They were afraid of, 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 like, what if I change courses? Like, what's that gonna mean socially? What's that gonna mean relationally? And so fear is what drove them to gather around Jesus. Others followed because they worshiped him. Because they believed he was the Messiah. They believed he was God in the flesh who had come to save the world. They believed that he was worthy of worship. And that's why they gathered. Why are you here? Have you ever asked the question? I mean, have you ever got honest enough with yourself just to say, Why am I here? Why are you here today? What does it mean to follow Christ, to be a Christian, to be a disciple? Are you living that way? There were crowds that were gathered, and multiple times Jesus would answer that question. You would answer that question of of what it really means to follow Christ, what it really means to be a disciple, what it really means to to be a Christian. And so I don't know what your answer is today. I don't know where your heart is today. Man, it's okay to not be okay here. It's just not, we're just not going to stay there, right? We're going to be honest with that and we're going to say where we are, but we're going to keep moving forward. It's okay to not have it all together. Um, But my hope today is that, that God and his word will compel us and inspire us to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And so we see in Luke 9, right, with the disciples, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life, whoever would hold tightly to his life, to whoever would hold tightly to his way, that's the one who's going to lose his life. But whoever loses his life, lets go, gives up for my sake, that's the one who will save it. Over in Luke 14, right, in the great crowds have gathered. We started reading great crowds and he turns and says to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes even his own life he cannot be my disciple whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple look these are the words of jesus either he he messed up and said the wrong thing or who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Jesus is saying, hey, count the costs. Before you step into battle, before you walk into this, count the cost, and here's the cost. Therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Why are we here? Are we here to follow Jesus? Because the main point that Jesus is saying, the main point that Jesus is saying, and it's a, the it's a story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, is that there are only two ways to go through life. That's it. There's only two roads for us to walk down. That's it. Just two. And it's the road that we choose and we go our own way, or it's the road of following Jesus. So every one of us right here today, these are the words of Jesus. This isn't what I'm saying. This isn't what Austin Life Church is saying or whatever. This is the words of Jesus. There's two ways for each one of us to go through today and the rest of life. It's either following our own will and our own way and our own life and choosing our own path. Or it's following the way of Jesus. It's it's black and white. Those are the ways that Jesus is saying here. One way leads to death and one way leads to life. Option one is the way of self. Choosing our own way. Holding tight to to self. That's what he says in in Luke 9, right? When he gives us the options. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself for whoever who would save his life. Whoever would hold tightly to his life. Whoever would, would hold tightly to his or her way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man. Right? like there's a way that makes sense to us it looks right it's been this way from the very beginning right you've got Adam and Eve and they're walking on the path of God they're in this relationship with God like that all they know is the one way just it's just follow God it's love God it's be with God and then the lying deceiving i had some words that just came to mind and i said on them right the the devil comes up and totally deceives and breaks everything Hey, 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 listen, 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 listen. Yeah, God said this. But look, he told you not to eat from that tree. Like, he's holding out from you. Look at this over here. Right? It looks good. Like, Right? Like, can't you call it's, can't you call your own shots here? Isn't God holding out from you? By God saying, don't do this, isn't he now keeping back from you? And it says that Eve, when she... And she took her eyes off of God and she looked at the fruit and it was desirous to the eyes. It looked good to the eyes. It was pleasing to the eyes. There was a pleasing nature to it. She chose her own way. She chose to hold tightly to her path and she ate the fruit. And what follows? Brokenness, separation, hiding, shame, death. And we've all followed in the same way way sense, because there's a way that seems right to us. It looks good to us. It makes sense to us. We don't want to walk by faith. Faith requires us to take steps that we can't see. We just want to walk by what we can see. I think this way goes that way. It's going to go all right. This is an option to go through life. We can choose that today we can choose to go our own way, to hold tightly to our own life. Any time we hold tightly to anything before God, we're choosing our own way. Any time we say no to something that God tells us to do, we're choosing our own way. Anytime we say yes to something God tells us not to do, we're choosing our own way. We're holding tightly to our own life. We're, we're choosing to save our life, what are some examples of that? And Jesus says, I mean, he, he goes to the extreme, right, in, in, in chapter 14. Family. If you want to be my disciple, you have to hate your father and your mother and your spouse and your kids and your brother and your sister. Like, you got to. So we read that and we're like, time out. That doesn't sound like Jesus. Like, what does he mean here? I'm, I'm supposed to hate? The, and Because even in, in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew, Jesus says, like, if you hate someone, then you've committed murder in your heart. So Jesus calls hating others' sin. And in in 1 John, he says, you cannot hate your brother and say that you love God. That's impossible. To love God is to love one another. To hate others is to hate God. You can't can't do that. So, So obviously, Jesus isn't meaning like, hey, literally hate. He's just saying that you have to choose Jesus over everybody else. That we have to so love and follow Jesus, like we're so devoted to him, that it looks like undevotion to everybody else right? Like, it's, it's such a devotion and commitment to him that we will choose him over the people that we love the most. That if, that if our mom or dad tells us to do something that is sin, we will say, hey, mom and dad, I love you, but no, I got to follow Jesus. That if our spouses lead us towards sin, we got to say, hey, you know what? I love you and I'm here, but I got to follow Jesus. I can't do that, right? We've got to choose Jesus over our, over our family, over the people that that we tend to love the most. Other ways that we like to hold tightly to ourselves, our future, right? Like we, we wanna call the shots. We wanna set things out like, man, God, I'm gonna have this future and it's gonna go this way and when I'm, when I'm 24, I'm gonna get married and by 27, I'm gonna have my first kid and then when it doesn't go that way, I'm like, hold on, time out. This is not what I drew up, God. Like this is not the plan I, I made. When I was 15, I was gonna be an architect. Like, I every 15-year-old knows what they're going to do with their life, right? I was going to be an architect. And then God, when he saves me, he says, hey, by the way, you're going to be a pastor. I'm here today because God said, no, 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 you're not going to be an architect. You're going to do this. So for me to follow Jesus means for me to hold loosely to my vocation. And if Jesus says you're going to be a pastor, I don't really get a say anymore. That's it. When planning a church is really, really, really hard, and I just want to be like, <laughs> I'm out. Let me go do something else. He says, no, it's not up to you, man. You don't get to call that shot. Because to follow me means you lay down that desire and you follow me, whatever that comes. Now, God may give you freedom to pick your vocation. He may say, hey, go do what you want. You got a mind towards math? Then then go, go. I don't even know what a mind towards math does. Like, you saw that. I was like, I don't know. What does a mind towards math do vocationally? Teach math? totally blank there I got nothing I don't know you know you you like you like the arts go go do the arts oh you don't want to do that like like perhaps and God a lot of times gives you freedom to choose he gives you freedom to choose in your vocation and where you're going to live and things like that but if he ever says hey you know what you're going to live in Austin and you're going to set roots and you're going to be a part of this church plant." hey you you forfeited your rights to him we no longer get to say, no, no, I'm going to go this way. Jesus, come get on board with me. With our, our, our money. Gosh, with our money, right? Oh, man. Now we're hitting close to home, huh? We, we want to sit down and be like, all right, God, here's my budget. If you can work within that, perfect. Good. We're good to go. Whereas God, very biblically in black and white, says, hey, give the first fruits to me. So our budget line number one Should be tithe. Hey, God, let me give back to you. Getting a little uncomfortable, a little bit. But God's like, hey, none of it's yours. You don't get to call the shots with your money. It's all mine. I gave it all to you. So you got to surrender that to me. Now here's the great thing. God's going to give us incredible freedom with it, too. But it's to honor Him and to glorify Him. Man, our comfort. We want to hold tightly to our comfort. God, don't call me into something that's uncomfortable. We can't have that. Don't, don't call me to, to, to lay down my life. Don't call me over there. Don't, you want me to go over there and talk to that person and tell them about Jesus? That is awkward. Can't be having that. You want me to, time out, Jesus, time out, hold on. You want me to actively do good to my enemies? To, to actively love them like you love them? Like, I don't, I don't know. You want me to forgive the ones who have wronged me? And then when they wrong me again, you want me to forgive them again? And then when they wrong me again, you want me to forgive them again? To follow Jesus, we lay down those rights. I mean, you know, comfort. I'm doing a whole 30 right now. I hate it, it's the worst. <laughs> It is the worst, right? Here's what I'm learning about myself. I would have never known. I told Stephanie before we started this, I'm like, I got this. This is going to be easy. No big deal. I turned to food for comfort. I didn't even know it. I'm like, babe, I just want to sit down and have my bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. I don't want Whole30 telling me what to do. Like, I am grumpy because I turned to food for comfort. I was in the pantry, and I was, I mean, I was just mad. What why are you laughing? I just was. I was just mad. And and I heard God say, hey man, food's not gonna be your joy. (laughs) Like literally. Alcohol. Let me be very blunt. The Bible in black and white says, do not get drunk. That's that's coming here we want to hold tight to my way, then I can tell God, hey, you know what, I'm going to get drunk. No, no, time out, God. I'm just going to get a little bit tipsy. I'm just going to get, you know, I'm just going to. And yet the Bible very clearly says to be above reproach and to reflect the image of God in everything, whether we eat or drink, people should see us and say, that's the character of Jesus. So we can either hold tightly to our way or we can surrender all to Jesus. The great thing is, man, he gives us freedom to eat and to drink. He just says to do it in a way that honors and reflects him. But so often, right, we want to hold tightly to things. We want to lift something up and say, God, don't take this away from me. I think more than anything, we want to say, God, I got you, but I'm also going to hold on to this. And you cannot simultaneously walk down two paths. We're either following Jesus or we're following ourselves. That's just, what, that's just what Jesus tells us. The problem with holding tightly to our own life, to our own way, verse 24 of chapter 9 tells us, you want to save your life? whoever saves his life, whoever holds tightly to his own way, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. If you're ashamed, Jesus says in verse 26, if you're ashamed of me and my words, if you're ashamed of following after me and my words in this life, in the next life when I return in glory, I'm going to be ashamed of you. The, The problem with going our own way is that it leads to death. Proverbs 14, right? There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. That way that looked right to Adam and Eve, it led to death. That way that, man, we just looks right to us, like, come on, it leads to death. I think when we look at Adam and Eve, we think, like, come on, it's, what's the big deal, right? It was a piece of fruit. Have you ever thought about that? Like, we, we like to put sin on these scales, like there's some big sins over here, and then there's some small little easy sins, right? Eating a piece of fruit, come on, we're going to put in a small, like, we're not even going to call that sin. Right, that's good, man, that's Whole30 compliant. So what was the problem there? Why, why did God say, you're out, be, you, you, we have to be separated? Because the heart was a heart that chose themselves over God. The heart of eating their fruit was the heart to be like God. To call their own shots, to say what is the right way, to do the right thing. Y'all, that is the heart of sin. Whether it's a big one or a little one, it's the heart that says, I'm in control. I got this. I'm God. And God will not share his status with another. He will not share his throne with another. So we may think, what's the big deal? This isn't hurting anybody else. It's not even really hurting me. It's so small. It's so insignificant. I'm a good person. I'm very religious. I'm doing all the right things. What's the big deal? But if our heart is ourselves, then we are choosing ourselves over God. It is idolatry, and he cannot be in the presence of idolatry he will not share it so when i'm a good religious 14 year old who's for the most part mean i'm killing it at camp i'm doing the right things i prayed the prayer but the problem was i wanted my own way i wanted to do things my way and i did not want to submit my life to his that is me trying to be in the place of god instead of letting him be god and he cannot he cannot walk in fellowship with that that's why it leads to death Because it it separates us from God. Our pride, our holding tightly to sin, and we can't also hold tightly to God. And so it separates us and it leads to death. So what's the other option? Jesus gives us the answer. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Whoever holds tightly to his life, whoever whoever chooses her own way, whoever says my way is is, is what is ultimate, I've got to hold tightly to this, is ultimately going to lose their life. But the one who lets go of their life, who surrenders all to Jesus, who says, okay, you get to call the shots, I give up my rights, they are the ones who find life. But let's be clear, y'all, let's be very clear, in the words of Jesus, of what it means to follow Jesus. Verse 23, you wanna come after Jesus, you wanna follow him, you have to deny yourself. You gotta let go of yourself. You gotta let go of what you believe is best. You have to take up your cross daily, every day you lay down your life, every day you you take up your cross, verse 14, chapter 14, what did it say? You've got to hate your father and mother, your your own life, you know, like everything else comes behind Jesus at the end of verse, of chapter 14, um, in verse 33, you have to renounce all that you have, right, like to, in order to follow Jesus, it is a total and Full surrender of self to go his way. It's not 90%, it's not 95%, it's not 98%. It is Jesus. All of me is going your way. That's it. You call the shots. I'm following in your footsteps. It cannot be both. And it's more than a simple belief. Gosh, I cannot tell you the number of times I've heard people say, like, oh, I've always believed in God. All, well, yeah, so are the demons. It cannot be a simple belief. It is a trust that moves to obedience, right? So, so if Vince gets up and he starts walking out that door, and I'm like, hey, Vince, Vince, do you go out that door, it's, it's, you're going to die. Like you're going to walk through that door and you're going to step out and your life is going to end. Hey, come follow me out this door. This is the way to life. Vince has two options. There's two doors, right? Very clearly, one door, you go out that door, it's gonna go bad, you go out this door, and we're gonna find life. Here's what Vince can't do. He can't go, man, I believe you, you're right. Yes, I'm I'm all in, but I'm gonna keep going out that way. What's gonna happen? It's gonna go bad, he's gonna die. Vince also can't say, hey, you know what? I am, I'm gonna follow you, but I'm also gonna follow me, because you can't go, he's gonna end in the wall, right? Right? So let's, I mean, let's just look very practically. To follow Jesus is to follow Jesus wholly. Full surrender to him. I cannot go out that door and this door at the same time. It is to surrender everything to him. And in that, we have life. I think, you know, when we, one of the things I hear a lot especially in Austin, it's like, man, that's kind of asking a lot. Like that's asking, like, you you want me to to lay down everything, like to to put all of my eggs in that basket, like everything to follow Jesus, to to lay down my life for him. And what Jesus is telling us is, is that life, that life where we go our own way, where we choose our own way, it's not really life. It's a facade, it's a mirage, and there's an active enemy who's deceiving us and making us see and think like, okay, this is good. This is going to feel good. This is going to end well. If I just keep holding out this route, it's going to go well. And Jesus is pleading with us and saying, it is not life. It's going to leave you empty. And we've all tasted it and we know it, and yet we keep trying to hold tight to it. And Jesus is saying, you have to follow me and surrender to me. Psalm 1611, it says, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. In his presence, in connection and and fellowship with God is the fullness of joy. But we cannot be in fellowship with God if we're going our own way. And so Jesus' invitation to lay down our life is actually the invitation to find it. And to gain it. He's not taking from us. He's not robbing from us. He's not holding out from us. Even though it may be hard at times. Even though it may seem that way. He's offering us life. John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to deceive us that way. And it will end in destruction. But I came that you have life and have it abundantly. Those are the words of Jesus. In him is life Abundantly. You may ask, is this salvation by works then? Right? Like, am I earning my salvation? Am I am I gaining my salvation by following him? And the answer is no. Right? If if Vince is going out that way and I say, hey Vince, trust me, come this way. He's not going to come this way without first believing that it is the truth in the right way. Salvation comes first inwardly by a heart that repents, that stops from going my own way and turns and goes the way of Jesus. But before I ever take that step, right, before I ever act, before I ever work and do anything, my heart has trusted that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. My heart has trusted that Jesus has died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the dead and that he alone offers me life. When my heart trusts that, I will walk in obedience, I will follow him in obedience. What if, as a Christian, I, I pick, I, I start going back that way? Or like, is that possible? Is that? Is that like? W- what happens then? And the reality is, if you've been a Christian for more than sixty seconds, um, y- you've wrestled with that. You've probably walked in that way where you go, holy. This is not me. This is not right. This is not what I'm supposed to do. How, how, did I, how did I get back over there? And the beauty and the grace of God is that he says, hey, 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 stop, confess, repent, and return. As a Christian, right, I've, I've devoted my life fully to Jesus, and I can tell you I am I'm a sinner of all sinners, right? I continually walk this way, and Jesus goes, Stop. come back. Repent from your sin and come back. Once we trust Christ, we don't ever lose that eternal, that eternal salvation. Once I trust Christ and I give my life to him, my eternity is secure in him. But the, the space between now and eternity, I mean, that can still suffer and be destroyed. That's what the devil's after at this point. If you're not a Christian, the devil wants to destroy your life today and for all of eternity by keeping you from trusting Christ. If you've trusted Christ, the devil has lost your eternity, but he sure wants to make life on earth hell. He wants to destroy today. And so he's gonna destroy today by whispering those lies in your ears. No, 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 it's okay to go back that way. It's okay to do that again. Okay. But I cannot walk in fellowship with God if I am walking in my own way. And so I miss out on the abundant life that God has for me today. Today. My eternity is secure but god wants abundant life today as well it's only found in full surrender and following jesus i've been i think one last one last thought i have with with this is and and jesus gives us this warning so it's not even my own thought if we call ourselves a christian But there's anywhere that we're unwilling to let go of, Jesus would say you're not a Christian. So if I say I'm a Christian and I actively know there is some sin that I'm unwilling to walk in obedience with, then Jesus would say you haven't fully surrendered and trusted me. You're still holding tightly to something. So... Calls for everything. That's not I, I'm not trying to like scare anything or I'm just saying if there's, if there's anywhere in your life that you know the Bible has confronted you with godly people have confronted you with and then you're like no, 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 I'm going to keep going my way and you're unwilling to repent Jesus would say I don't know that you're a Christian. The great news is that can change. It doesn't have to stay that way. We can repent in a moment and be made new. The message is just really clear from Jesus, right? Following him is is all in. Whole surrender. Total surrender. We don't get to call our own shots. He calls the shots. The great thing about it is his shots are good. His way is good. It's the way of life. I've been thinking a lot about 1 John In chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. By this we may know that we abide in Christ. We are a Christian. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The command of the Bible is that to follow Christ is to walk in his footsteps, to do what he does. That means that if I take on the name of Jesus, if I call myself a Christian, I am to love you in the same way that Jesus loves me. That's his command. That means that I am to forgive in the same way that Jesus forgives. That's his command. That means I'm to walk in humility in the same way that Jesus walked in humility. Because I'm to walk as He walked. That means I'm to handle food and drink in the same way that Jesus handled food and drink. That means I'm to handle sex in the same way that Jesus handled sex. I'm to handle influences that come in in the same way that Jesus would handle his influence. That, that my life 24-7 is to reflect the image of Jesus. That is my command as a Christian, is to walk as he walked. Anybody ever have one of those bracelets at WWJD? I used to make fun of them and think they were cheesy. and Now I'm like, dang, like, it comes straight from the Bible. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? That we are to take our lives and we are to put Jesus in front of it. And if what we are doing does not look like Jesus, we're to confess it, we're to repent it, to repent and to turn back towards Christ. I struggled with this and I still struggle with it, to be honest. I said, gosh, if I'm going to filter everything through, would Jesus do this? I really wonder if he would watch what I watch on Netflix. I really wonder if he would talk the way I talk with buddies. Really wonder if he would grumble the way I grumble about things I don't like. That's the call to follow Christ. And the promise of Scripture is that it's good. It leads to life. It leads to His glory. It leads to our good. And His invitation is to come and follow. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.